We would like to welcome you this morning to Mission Bible Fellowship as Pastor Stuart Guthrie brings a message from God's Word. We hope it challenges, encourages, and strengthens your walk with the Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, our love for you is, is never enough in our own flesh. And God, we try in our abilities to come and worship you and Lord, we pray that you allow us and guide us and teach us how to be better worshipers of you. For you are awesome and mighty and and all-knowing and everywhere in the midst of our trials and our lives. and, And Lord, I just pray this morning that your word would be an encouragement, would be a challenge to us as believers to look into your word and to look at it as perfect and pleasing and honoring to you, Lord. This morning as we open your word, I pray you fill me and empower me with the Holy Spirit. And to be with those this morning that are not here to encourage them and to strengthen them and to heal them. And and Lord, we just pray for the people of this church that are going through hard times and struggles and Lord, whose family members are sick, and Lord, we just ask for peace and comfort in our lives today as we come and sit before you with minds full of things. And I pray you allow our minds to be cleared and to have ears to hear and eyes to see the glory of you. And we ask these things in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, we've worked our way out of the book of First Peter and... And, oh, sorry, kids, you were dismissed. Excuse me. Shinon is dismissed. Well, we've worked all out of the book of First Peter, and, and it's an exciting time uh, because now we can uh, allow God to, to guide us and direct us where He wants us to go as a church and to see what He has to teach us. And, and so... Uh, as I continue to pray about where God is, is, is leading us to, to, to get involved in what next book, and after I get back from vacation and conference in South Carolina, um, we'll begin either a new uh, study through a whole book or, or, or even maybe a sermon series that, that we've been looking at um, to maybe indulge in. But until then, we'll do a, a few topical messages. And this week and next week will be a topical message. And this week we'll be looking in the book of Romans chapter 12. We'll be looking at Romans chapter 12. And, you know, as I studied, I was encouraged through this passage of Scripture and, and really got excited. And, you know, one of the things that, that I struggle with as a pastor is as I study, as I learn, I get so excited about something I've learned. And then there's this struggle to communicate to you the excitement that I have within me of what I've learned. And so I hope today as I begin to look at Romans chapter 12 verse 2 that you can see the excitement that wells up in me as what I've learned and God has taught me and I hope that you also learn this morning. And so if you will, turn with me to your Bibles into Romans chapter 12 verse 2. Romans 12 verse 2. Now I want to first start out before we get into the text explaining some key factors that I think that we need to really understand, that we need to really grasp before we get into the text this morning. Because I think it's a major thought, a major idea, the big picture of what we see in this passage of Scripture. 
One thing that we need to have on the front, forefront of our minds this morning, that there are two value systems that are presented in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. The first value system is the one that's most seen. It's the one that we see on a daily basis that's uh, developed in our world. And it is, a, it is the world system. It's the world system. The kingdom of darkness. This world system is both attractive, it's stimulating, and the traditions that are developed in this culture are hard to give up. But the reality is, is as, as believers and followers of Christ, if we don't begin to evaluate and give up the world system, it can be deadly to people. This world system will offer you everything. It will offer you money. It will offer you prestige. It will offer you power, recognition, security. It will offer you material blessings. It will offer you health, wealth, and prosperity. Which is all obtainable, they say, through the power of man and through the power of the tongue. But what they won't offer you in this culture is the God of the Bible a Creator, a Savior, a higher authority, and it does not offer you the God of the Bible. And if it does offer you a God, it's not the God that we read of, the Jehovah God, Yahweh, Elohim. And then we have the second system, the second value system, which is God's kingdom. And now understand that every kingdom has a king and, and every king has a dominion in which its area of influence affect and its kingdoms have territories and as well it's, it has people who are a part of a particular kingdom. And kingdoms have sets of rules and, and they're governed. The kingdom operates in those ways and as well the government has authority and in hierarchy and kingdoms also have armies that go out to battle and fight against other kingdoms in the world. The kingdom of God offers you things as well. The kingdom of God offers you many things. But the difference between the world system and the system of God is these things come from God, not man. They are from God and they are for God, for His glory and for His honor and for His purpose. And God offers us hope. He offers us life eternal. He offers us peace and comfort in times of trial and devastation. He offers us forgiveness through the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary. God offers us life and this life abundant. But again, they come from God. They are offered by God. They're given by God. They're accomplished by God and completed for God and for His glory. 1 John 2.16 says this, For all that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life, it is not from the Father, but it is from the world. And so we see a picture of the world system in which we live in. The dominant world system of our day is the kingdom of Satan. All of our ideas, all of our beliefs, all of our methods of operation, all of our methodology, our worldviews, all fall under one of these two value systems. Either 
the value system of God or the value system of the world. And to understand this text this morning, a simple one-verse passage of Scripture that contains teachings that could carry us on for years, to understand it, we need to understand that there's two systems of value. The kingdom of God and the kingdom of man. Here in James chapter 4, verse 4, it says this, Do you not know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You can't be a friend of the world and be a friend of God and be godly. We are called enemies when we're friends with the world. Now we have looked at these two things and we've got the idea of these two kingdoms that exist within our culture, within our world, within the earth we live on. And we have value systems. So let us get into our text this morning. Romans 12, verse 2. Romans 12, verse 2 reads this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Now I think it's important as we, as we begin to digest this one verse of Scripture that we need to define some terms here. It says right here, do not be conformed to the world. Here we have our first instruction given by Paul. It's an imperative, so it's a command. It's, it's not that we're given a choice. He says, listen guys, this is something we must do. We cannot be conformed to the world. We're simply told to do something. But really, what is the idea of not being conformed? Because I don't know about you, but the world I live in is changing on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think if I was honest with myself and many of you, if you were honest with yourself, would say that in some way, shape, and form that we as believers and followers of Jesus Christ have somehow, some way, taken conformity of the world into our daily lives. Whether that's through your music, whether that's through our dress, through our lifestyle, through our relationships, through the education system in which we involve ourselves with, and even through how we worship God. In some way, shape, or form, we are conforming to the world's system. Now I'm not saying it's right. And I'm not saying I'm perfect. I probably have all of kind of conformities that I don't see even in myself that I do that conforms to the culture in the world around me. But I am saying is that there is this necessity for us as followers and believers in the family of God to take a moment and evaluate our own lives, our own church our own families and begin to evaluate and compare which value system are we as people conforming to? To the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of man? Or to darkness? The word conformed here in the Greek is really interesting. I enjoyed it as I studied the word in the Greek. And, and it's suske matizo is what it says. Suske matizo. And what that word refers to is this. It's an outward expression of something that does not reflect what's inward. 
Okay? And so, basically, in other words, he's saying something like this. Don't, don't we act like sometimes outwardly, but it doesn't fit what's inside of us? Don't we do things outwardly that does not match what's inward? Remember, he's talking to sisters and brothers here. In verse 1, he, he says, I, I plead with you, dear brothers and sisters, to give your bodies to God as a living and holy sacrifice. And so he's pleading with brothers. And so obviously during this time, during this culture, in the context, there were Christians and believers who were conforming to the world around them. And as if, if we can just look at our lives, we can say, I understand why. Because the world in which we live in can be intoxicating. It can be very enticing. And so here Paul wants to warn us not to be conformed. And so he says, listen, this is your service of worship. You know, another word that, that comes from this Greek word, is schema. Okay? And schema is, is another word, there's a root word in that, and it's where we get our English word schematic. And if you know what the word schematic means, you know where I'm going. Unfortunately, I didn't know what the word schematic meant, so I had to look it up. But as I began to, to see and understand, oh, what a great picture God has given us through this word conform. You see, schematic is a diagram or a plan of something. Okay, so, so when I was in the construction business, I would build jobs. When Gary was in the logging business, he would build houses. He would have a set of plans. When we do things, we work off of a set of diagrams and plans. And here what he's saying is this. Listen, brothers and sisters, do not be conformed to the worldly plan. Don't be carbon co copies. Look, the world has an outline. And we as Christians are called not to conform to the world's blueprints. It may be traditional. It may even look the best. It may even seem to have the best results. But the reality is... We want to make sure that we're doing it God's way, not by the standards of the world. You know, I, I want to know and see what God's Word says about the way we do things. That to make sure that, that the way we're doing things as a church, the way that we're doing things as individuals in our lives, match up to God's world's values, not earthly values, the blueprint of the world. I, I, I can't just sit around in my life and simply be settled. I, I can't be okay with my life the way it is without growing, without trying to learn, without trying to expand, without trying to be challenged and, and, and consistently evaluating my life up against the Word of God. And none of us should be okay with just sitting and being okay with church on Sunday morning. God has created us for much more than that. And if you're here this morning 
And you're saying to yourself, you know, I'm good, I'm okay. I'm not conformed to the world. I've arrived. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. Because I would venture to say that all of us conform to the world around us in some way, shape, or form. And as Christians, God is wanting to grow us in our sanctification and move us past where we are in our walk with God. He wants to bring our marriages completely 360 degrees or 180 degrees in that direction and begin to make it into something wonderful and powerful in such a Christ example of Jesus Christ in the church. Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Don't copy the blueprint of what the world offers us. You know, I was hunting with a brother in Christ last week or two weeks ago, and and he told me something as I was walking, and it shocked me. Well, I guess it didn't really surprise me, but, but I was shocked in the fashion that it's happening in our community. In our school. He, he told me this, that, that one of his teachers sent home a letter. And the letter simply said this, that there would be no debate on evolution within the classroom, that we are going to teach it as truth, period. And if you debate, you're out of the class. Now let me tell you folks, that's the world. That is opposition to God. And what this man said next encouraged me. It shocked me that he would stand up in this fashion. As he told me, you know what, I removed my son from that class. And he is doing an online class in the library. I was encouraged because he is not going to allow his children to be influenced by the blueprint of the world. And I was so grateful that one of my brothers in Christ would take a stand of not becoming conformed to the world system. Now I understand that there will be some here today and, 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 and across whoever watches this that will say, you know what, my children are in that class because they're going to lead them to Christ. They're going to teach them about Jesus Christ and what creation really is. And that God created the, the, the earth in six literal days. But listen to me this morning. What's happening there is opposition to God. It's opposition. Psalm 1.1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. Do you see the transition there? He begins by what? Walking. And then what does he do next? He begins by standing. And then what happens next? He begins to sit. He begins to sit. How blessed is the man who does not sit. And then it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And it says, he will meditate it on day and night. 
Listen, statistics say that an average child spends 32 and a half hours sitting in the public school system. I'm not against public school system, please understand me. But I am against a teacher saying that you cannot debate against evolution because it's opposed to God. We talk to our children about evolution. We talk to them about the Big Bang Theory. We talk to them about this cosmic blast that created from nothing. But we also teach them what the Bible says and we, we talk about it and we debate about it. And we, we want to train our children and to think about these things and how they relate and, and how one fits into the world system and how one fits into the system of God. Because here it says, Blessed is the man who does not. But his delight is in the law of the Lord and in his law it says he will meditate day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in its seasons and his leaves do not wither. And it says in all that he does, he prospers. This morning, my encouragement is not to allow the world to conform you to itself. Do not. Because we're instructed. Not because I said so. Because Paul says, do not be conformed to this world. Now listen, I understand. Trust me, please understand. I understand there needs to be a balance. A balance in our lives of trying to live an indigenous life. Okay, and the word there, indigenous, simply means living lives that are originating or occurring naturally. It, it simply means to a particular place. And so as I come here from South Carolina to Seeley Lake, you better hope that I live an indigenous life because now what I'm doing is trying to develop my culture into this culture and begin to understand that, you know what, you don't like it when I call you brother. You want, to, you want me to call you by your first name. That's a cultural thing. But please understand where I come from. We don't call each other by our names. We call each other brother. What's up bud? What's up brother? And so understand, indigenous is, is trying to live within the culture you live in. And I think there needs to be a balance because the very thing that Paul tries to teach us, tries to tell us to live indigenous lives is what we see in 1 Corinthians 9.22. He says, To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I become all things to all men so that, I, by, so that I may by all means save some. There's the indigenous life. Do you see the indigenous in that? Some people will be here this morning and, and, and in their minds they will be saying to themselves, oh, we're called to be salt and light. Well, listen, Matthew 5.13 is not an imperative. It is, not an, it is not a command. But what it says is that we are to be salt. But do you want, do you want, you want to know this? I don't put salt on food that tastes good. I put salt on dead food that tastes bad. Because saltiness is something that makes something change. And many Christians across the world have been so conformed 
that they've lost their saltiness. They've lost their saltiness. Listen, salt is designed to change things. It's not just to blend in with no effect. Nobody would ever use salt if you just put it on there and go, oh, that looks pretty. It tastes the same. At least I wouldn't. It's pretty bad for you for what I hear. But listen, there will always be a tension between living the indigenous life, becoming all things to all men that we might win some for Christ, and living a pilgrim life that says, you know what? This isn't my home. This isn't my world. This is not where I will live for eternity. And God calls me to be separate, to be set apart, to not conform to the world. And so listen, when we begin to understand that every single person has a different personality, then we'll begin to understand each other a little better. We'll be understanding that you can be indigenous and you can be a pilgrim and you can be godly on this side and you can be godly on this side all striving for the same purpose. And when we realize that, our work, our striving together to further the kingdom of God will begin to explode. Many Christians live indigenous lives. They want to reach everyone in every place. They'll do whatever it takes to reach out and invest in the lives of the people in the community. And I say, Amen, brother. Amen, sister. Because I don't know about you, but I'm grateful for indigenous people. You want to know why? Because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then what does it say? The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Did Jesus Christ not live an indigenous life? He became us. He took on the form of this mess so that we could see the glory of the Lord through Him. But listen, just because we live indigenous lives doesn't mean we're more godly than a brother or a sister who lives like a pilgrim. When we begin to understand that, we'll work better together. The pilgrim, they understand that this is not their home. If you remember in the book of 1 Peter, it starts off, who did he write the letter to? Strangers and aliens. Pilgrims. We can't function in this world. we got to pack up and get out of here. It's, it's, it's falling all around us. We need to be set apart as pilgrims. Because if we get out of balance, you know there's a balance. If we live indigenous and we live too far, what happens? We become conformed. We want to get involved in people's life so we become just like them and we lose our saltiness. And so there's a limit. We need to have a balance. And then we can become pilgrims and say, you know what, I'm going to be set apart. I'm just going to be different than the whole world. God calls us to do that, doesn't He? But we can get too far to this side and have no impact in the community. We can have no impact 
in the lives of the people who are placed right here around us for our purpose to reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so all I'm saying this morning, it's not wrong to live indigenous lives. And it's not wrong to be pilgrims. But we need to make sure and evaluate that we're not too far on one side or the other. Extreme, in all cases, can be harmful to everything we do. I want us to look at our lives and to make sure to evaluate it. But listen to what he says next. He says, but. He says, don't do this, but do this. He doesn't leave us there. He doesn't say, you know what? Don't be conformed to the world. Get over yourself. See you later. No, he says, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Listen. Don't let the world mold you into its form. You know, as I, as I tried to think of some illustration, I, I, all I could think about was like I was watching this cooking show the other night and they had this big bucket of icing. You know, of course, I'd be watching like Cupcake Wars, you know. Mm. They reach in, they get this stuff and they put it in this bag and they squeeze the top and what's it do? It forms it into an icing. Don't be put into that form. Don't, but be transformed. Let God remold your mind from in out. And now this is where things got exciting for me. This is where God really began to show me something through His creation, something through His Word that, that just looking at it, I couldn't see from the surface. And I hope this morning you can see and understand that it is something to be excited about. It's something that we can look and evaluate our life to see if we're truly being transformed. Because I think all of us want to be transformed. We all want to be made more into the image of Christ. But he says here, transform. Transformation. You know, God's timing is perfect. The first song that, uh, that was picked for worship they didn't know what I was preaching on. You know, how good is God? Be transformed. Conform me. Be transformed. This is what I want in my life. I want to be transformed. I want God to get rid of all the jacked up stuff in my life. And trust me, there's plenty of it. And make me into something new. Make me into something wonderful, beautiful, set apart, holy. Now I think it would be helpful to, to talk about this word transformation. To be transformed. What does it mean? Well, the Greek word is metamorpho. Okay? Metamorpho. This word brings about the idea of, of being changed Outwardly. Outwardly. It's an effect. Something that happens inwardly that results in outward activity. Now, what I loved about this is, and you have to remember I graduated with a 1.7, so my knowledge is pretty limited. But what I missed in school when I didn't pay attention was that this word metamorpho is where we get our, our English word metamorphosis. Now, I had to like hit this pronunciation button. How do you pronounce the metamorphosis? 
But as I began to, to look and watch video after video on the process of metamorphosis, I became excited. I, I, this is it. This is the message that we as Christians need to understand the process of metamorphosis. Metamorphosis is like our Christian walk. It's just like our walk. If you don't know what I'm talking about, go to YouTube. Type in metamorphosis. Make sure you use spell check. And it will show you the process and what happens in the metamorphosis process. They will begin by showing you an egg that is planted on a leaf. A small, tiny egg. And now, without trying to spiritualize this thing, I want you to understand the picture of how I saw this working out in my mind. As God, the God of the universe, what does He do? How do we become regenerated in our heart? He reaches in and He plants a seed. And what happens to that seed? It begins to grow. And so as I watch this process take place, the egg begins to hatch. And out comes what? caterpillar a baby caterpillar what happens in your life when you become a born again Christian you become a baby Christian and the process that takes place from thereafter is growth this caterpillar what's his job is it to build a house no his job is to eat he eats and he eats and he eats. And he begins to grow. His body begins to mature. And he compares much to our life in Jesus Christ. What does he eat? He, be, he begins to eat whatever it is God designed him to eat. And that's the very leaves. How about you? What is it that God has designed for you to begin to feed on so that you can grow? It's the Word of God. And as we begin to grow, and that caterpillar begins to grow in the metamorphosis process, something happens. When it becomes fully grown, when it becomes mature, something happens. Now understand that maturity process is different. Some take six months, some take eight months, some take a year, depending on how much you feed. When that caterpillar begins to develop, he begins the next stage of metamorphosis. And he hangs himself up upside down on this leaf. And then something wonderful takes place. He begins a transformation process from the inside out. And he begins, as he hangs upside down, the caterpillar begins to develop this thing they call a chrysalis or they call it a cocoon. And he develops around his whole body. And does he remain in that cocoon? No. But when the transformation process is complete, when everything is final, that caterpillar busts out of that cocoon into something that marvels us all. A wonderful, beautiful butterfly. That ugly worm that we look at, at least I think they're pretty ugly, they become something beautiful. In that process. That's transformation, folks. That is what we need to be like 
in our walk with Jesus Christ. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ. And that doesn't happen by becoming conformed to the world. That's why he started out with saying, don't be conformed, but be transformed. We can't be transformed while we're being conformed unless it's being conformed to God's kingdom, God's value system. And I long to see my life change. I long to see lives in this church change from the inside out as we begin to grow as Christians. I long to see the hearts of people changed in this community. And I understand that that process is just like that caterpillar. Sometimes it takes longer than others. But the reality is, none of us are promised tomorrow. As I sat up last night and I thought about my life and being separated from my family, I thought about some things. You know, I'm a dying man. I am a dying man. The only thing that I know for a fact is that one day I will be gone. Some of us, the next week, some of us in the next 15 years, some of us in the next 30 years, some of us in the next 50 to 60, 80, it doesn't matter, we're all going. It's the only thing we're promised. And so I began to think about my life. And oh, how I want to be transformed and made into this beautiful image before I go to be with the Lord. But when I see Jesus Christ face to face, something beautiful will happen. Something beautiful will happen. But listen, Paul doesn't leave us there in excitement. He doesn't leave us there in conviction. As we decide, you know what, I'm not being transformed like this caterpillar. He doesn't leave us there, but he finishes with this. He says, do this. I mean, don't do this, but do this, and this is how you do it. He says, by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. Because Paul understands and he knows that unless we have our minds renewed, we can't function properly. Don't you want this renewed mind in your life? Don't you want to be able to discern between things from above and things from below? Don't you want to be able to hear and know that God is speaking to you? I want to know that I can stand in times of trouble. In order to do that, I need a renewed mind. I want to know that I can love the way God calls me to love, but it can only happen through a renewed mind. I want to know that I can stand in my faith and in my convictions of Scripture and not be conformed by the intoxicating and persuasiveness of the world system that we are called not to be a part of. Will I succeed in that all the time? No. Do I succeed in that all the time? No. But oh, how my 
heart longs to be changed. What I want to ask you this morning is how is it that we can renew our minds? How is it? Listen, you can't change your minds. It's only through the power of God Himself that can change. Remember, this world wants you to think that you can obtain all these things on your own abilities. And oh, just meditate and clear your mind. All this new age junk. God wants us and knows that He is the only one that can transform your mind and my mind through the power and the working of the Holy Spirit. Because an outward transformation that has taken place is what we're looking for. We are looking for an outward result of something that's taken place inward. It gives the same idea if you remember when Jesus Christ was on the Mount of Transfiguration and the glory of the Lord shone through Him. It was outward. And so it only begins with the work of the Holy Spirit inside of our hearts and our lives. And the Holy Spirit's means of transforming us inwardly is through the Word of God. Through the Word of God. We were all blind at one time in our life by the world system of Satan. But God in His great mercy and His grace has opened our eyes that we might see His glory and long to follow Him. And it's through His Word that that we are renewed in our minds. It's through our reading, our participation with God in His Word. And if our minds are always on everything else, and we are all guilty at some point for that, being so busy in life that we can't focus on God or others, then the renewing process takes much longer. And we struggle with life and understanding because our minds are not being renewed through the power of the Holy Spirit. Several months ago, I learned of a a computer program that if you speak to through this microphone, the computer program types it out for you. And so people use it to write books and they, they write and they type and they, they just speak what they've thought and it writes it down. And This computer program is pretty interesting though because the more you speak to it, the more you learn, it learns your voice. It learns to discern who you are and it begins to work better as you spend time with it. But if you never spend time in this program, you will never become knowledgeable about who you are. Listen, God speaks to us. God speaks to us through His Word. And the more and more time we spend with God in His Word, the more familiar with God that we become. And there begins the renewal process of our minds. This renewed mind is to be desired so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Because listen, until 
our minds are renewed, we can't prove, we can't accept, we can't test, we can't discern, we cannot even appreciate the will of God in our lives. And if in our lives this morning we find ourselves aimless, if we find ourselves stagnant in our walk with God, if we find ourselves fruitless, lacking in, com- in contentment, lacking in commitment, then it may be that you are not experiencing the fullness, the richness, the blessing of knowing the will of God. And it becomes by a renewal process through His Word. I want to ask you this morning, how are you doing in your Word? Are you have a steady diet of God's Word? If we're Listen, only you can answer that, and I'm not the judge. But if we don't spend time in this, then we can't expect to have a renewed mind. Because this is the way that our Creator communicates to us. This is. Not by your service. Not by your hard work. Not by all your efforts. We don't transform that way. This is what transforms us. The Word of God. When we begin to read it, we begin to understand it, God begins to renew our mind, we begin to see that God's will is good. It's acceptable. It's perfect. Don't you want that this morning? More than anything in your walk with God? And if you don't, and if you're here this morning, you just burn out. And you're bored. I encourage you to get in the Word and allow God to renew your mind. Allow God to transform you from the inside out. It starts with the humility. It starts with coming to God and saying, you know what God, this week I was not very transformable. You know, I didn't study my Word this week. I just, I'm not transformable this week. You know, listen, we're not here keeping score. We're not here going, you better read your Bible study. And if you don't, you're going to hell. That's not, that's not what we're trying to communicate. What we're trying to communicate is if we want to get past church and begin to experience the victorious Christian life, it takes effort. It takes work in studying and studying and being aware of what God is speaking so He can derive, He can direct, direct our lives becoming more into the image of His Son. Let us pray this morning. Father, today we ask that You come to us as Your children and open our hearts and our minds God, allow us to be open and transparent with You. To be honest in our evaluation of ourselves. Not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. But to evaluate where we are. The transformation process. The process of metamorphosis in our walk with God. Lord, we are seeking to have a renewed mind that comes through time in your word 
and spent with you. Lord, above all, I want to be transforming. Starting today, Lord, we ask for your strength to be successful in spending time with you. And we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.